passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And we... Are live, everybody. Welcome to this week's After Hours edition of the Cafe Hangout. You know, one of my favorite shows was Beverly Hills 90210. And given any 90s sitcom, you had to have the place to meet up. And they would meet at the Peach Pit. And then they had the brilliant idea, what about the Peach Pit After Dark? Oh. Because everything, much like adding an X in the 90s or a Z at the end of it, after dark, if you added it. So welcome, everyone, to the Cafe Hangout After Dark. After Dark, where we have a late night menu. Yes, where we're not going to watch our language. Way's uh, getting into the Orange Pico. And <laughs> I've just... So. My... I... For Halloween, everyone's wondering, John, you said you were going to dress up. Well, mentally, today, I acted out my costume because today I played Wei Ting. I went to sleep at 3.30 in the morning. You're dressed like me, too. I did. I knew Wei would dress with a <laughs> with a sweater, the same color. So I went to sleep at 3.30 in the morning. I woke up at 8 a.m. and then went the entire day where I have watched so much wrestling today. My mind is just a blur. And then as we were getting set to do this show at 9.15 p.m., I went for a nap. Oh, wow. Dude, I slept for like 45 minutes oh. in preparation for this. Oh, you're nice and fresh now. So I, I, I have got a second win because I will tell you two hours ago, the thought of doing this show was kind of daunting. The naps are completely key. Yeah. Um, it's it's nine o'clock now. Let's see. I thought five hours of sleep was, I yeah. felt fine all day, but by the time everything was, I, I watched all of Crown Jewel. Uh-huh. Then I watched all of NXT tonight. Yep. And then uh, on top of just uh, we had the quarterly report this morning. That was actually today. Oh, that yeah. quarterly report came out. Oh, yeah. I sat through that earnings call. Nothing like George Barrios for an hour to get you all hyped for the day. And then uh, we had the ratings come out on Wednesday. There's a lot on this Halloween. And I went out trick-or-treating. So You did? I went trick-or-treating oh, with, uh, with Max. How nice. It was raining in Toronto. Yes. Max's Both. first time, second time, second time yeah. at one at two. He, he we went. took him out last year. Really? Yeah. He was. Uh, what did he dress as? Uh, he was a giraffe. 
Yes. Adorable. So we went to more houses this year than we did last year. This is a... No costume for dad. I didn't... I felt kind of guilty as I was outside because there were other parents that all dressed up and I kind of felt I I dropped the ball a bit. Next year. Next year. There's always the next year. But um, that was my Halloween. Did you do anything fun on this October 31st beyond... uh, things i just listed that both of us had to participate in my day looked a lot like yours except i i mean i um it was all over the place where like i started watching crown jewel and then i started um and then i took took a break because i had to had to get dinner and then in in the middle of that i i um listened to a bit of the conference call and then i finished nxt so it was it was all over the place you're listening more to these conference calls than in years past so could we do a whole conversation like the investors way could you provide some color on your uh no on your buy-in and can you maybe uh uh (laughs) the language that they use it just becomes it's like it's their own version of carney once we get to the q a and it's an entertaining part of the call um yeah it's a little bit numbing but you know it's a lot of posturing is what i find Oh, it's always it's always finding what is the answer, what is being said, or more importantly, what is not being said, mm-hmm. and being able to decode a lot of that. That if you can speak Barrios, then you have a pretty good understanding of what what he is uh, trying to convey. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you uh, wanted to hear that call, I believe it's on the WWE's uh, corporate website. The, the archive. It, it, there's one place to go to but listen to it's it. also on our uh patreon feed for free for everybody so Correct. if you if you we're just hosting it there uh in case people want to check it out patreon.com slash post wrestling if you just want to listen to it you, you know what would make the earnings call that much more entertaining what's that is if same same data you're going through mm-hmm. but you have alan and jamesy <laughs> Break it delivering down. it those two together, I, I have not listened to their latest one because yes. I want to watch the match first. Yes. But when I heard that these two have gotten together, which already, this is like the announcement of like a rematch of a, like a five-star match or something from their, their top 50 uh, discussion earlier this year. Yes. So I'm very much looking forward to yes. that show that the two of them have done. I feel if they were reading my taxes to me, I would be excited to pay them at the end of it. It is a all-Irish edition of the British Wrestling Experience. It is the Irish Wrestling Experience on uh, the British Wrestling Experience's feed as they break down OTT's fifth anniversary, featuring a match that I have yet to see but really want to, Jordan Devlin versus uh, uh, David Starr, uh, that a lot Which, of people are Oh, everyone's about. going nuts about this yeah. match. It sounds like it was phenomenal. So that's... I don't know when I will squeeze it in. I would like to watch it at some point this weekend, yeah. but this is a... Uh, this is a very big weekend coming up. A lot of stuff. Well, I really I really wish there was not a UFC this weekend, even though it's a very solid card. I, I agree with you, John. I would also tell you maybe let's let's concentrate on today because we have a lot to get through in the next, I would say, hour and a half. Let's just, so. let's, let's just dive into it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, of course, everybody, this is the Cafe Hangout where you guys can come up with the bulk of the uh, content and the questioning yourself. So... We're opening up phone lines, I would say, from, 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 or do you want to go through Crown Jewel first? Like, how do you feel? Let's just, let's just skim through Crown Jewel okay. and then sure. open up the phone lines. Um, we're open to talking about Crown Jewel, your thoughts on the event as a whole, as well, uh, the earnings report that came out today, the ratings that came out today, any topics, nothing's off limits. So we will open up the phone lines, but let's uh, go through Crown Jewel that took place earlier today from Riyadh, their fourth event under this uh, 10-year deal mm-hmm. with the... Uh, General Sports Authority in Saudi Arabia. We had Michael Cole and Corey Graves calling the show, and the pre-show saw a 20-man battle royal involving 
Andrade, Eric Rowan, R-Truth, Buddy Murphy, Titus O'Neil, Cedric Alexander, Drake Maverick, Shelton Benjamin, Eric Young, Mojo Raleigh, Sunil Singh, who is the 24-7 champion at this point, Heath Slater, Brian Kendrick, Sin Cara, No Way Jose, Apollo Cruz, Akira Tozawa, Luke Harper, Tony Nese, and Umberto Carrillo. And we don't have to go through all of this. It came down in the end. It was pretty much a match built around... Uh, Harper and Rowan as the reunited Bludgeon Brothers for one night and uh, running through everybody. And it came down to the two of them with Umberto Carrillo. And then as Harper went to throw out Carrillo, Carrillo slid underneath. Rowan knocked into Harper, sending him out. And then Carrillo surprised Rowan from behind, eliminating him for the victory. 12-27 and set up a United States title rematch with AJ Styles for later in the show. As a way to set up a, a Humberto Carrillo match later on in the show, I thought it was well done. It was very simple. All the heat on the Giants, and then in the end, a babyface outsmarts him. At this point in the section of the show, I thought it would, it was you know great progression for Humberto Carrillo, who they've given you know these 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 pushes to on Raw, having him go really like the distance in, with with you know big stars. Here, he actually finally got a win. Yeah. Um. Did you question do if you were going this direction doing the match on Monday? Um, do you have any issue really. with that? Not it, really. Just I mean, the rematch three days later. Oh, I, I meant with like Creo with AJ. AJ. Not so much because I think I think Monday established that he was the underdog, and so it sets him up perfectly for a big win on the Sunday. Yeah, or on Thursday in this case, or Thursday you would expect. Yeah, the big win. Yeah, uh, still to come. Yes. So that was our lone match on the pre-show. And I will say, as a whole, this felt like a much more enthused audience than oh, than past shows. Like they were, yeah. like this was uh, a crowd that very much into the chance. Um, there were points they were very down for, but when they were into something, they were very energetic for it. Yes. And I thought, compared to the last number of shows that we've reviewed, where the crowds have been a big negative on this show in terms of just lack of reaction or maybe just not being familiar with all the talent, that that was not the case with this audience. They seemed to be up on everybody. It felt like a rest, uh, a, a WWE crowd that was very familiar with all the stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We go into the main show, and they had a pyro and fireworks opening that. Uh, I don't know if this had its own uh, line item on the on the quarterly report, but the pyro and fireworks on this show were extravagant, would be putting it mildly. Oh, yeah. Like WrestleMania, I don't think there's this level of pyro and fireworks that mm-hmm. they had throughout this. Insane. For sure. It's a celebration, isn't it? Brock Lesnar and Kane Velasquez opened the show. Rey Mysterio came out, followed by Kane in his MMA trunks and gloves, it's MMA Kane. Mm-hmm. Volcane, maybe. Huh? Instead of Volcon, it's uh, Volcane. No, uh, maybe not. Okay. Uh, so Graves said that Lesnar doesn't react well to being hit in the face. So they have now taken the uh, the attributes of Brock Lesnar's MMA tenure and extended them to professional wrestling, which was not the case prior. This man who is now doesn't react well to being hit in the face. So it starts out and it's unlike any typical WWE match, like they are doing like a shoot like, style. like a shoot style, like striking battle on the feet. And Velasquez drops him with a head kick and then dives on top. And you think he's going to attack him with ground and pound. And in doing so gets caught with a Kimura with the idea that Kane had the match won, but then 
had a slip up, a mistake. He got caught and the veteran submitted him right out of the Brock Lesnar playbook for his first UFC fight with Frank Mir. That had to be the at least desired outcome they were going for here. I, yeah, I suppose so. You can certainly look at the fact that uh, I don't know if they really conveyed that with Kane, that yeah. he had this match won, but I think that's the story they were going for. I, the announcers can go on and tell that, I suppose. I, I was certainly surprised by it. You know, I, I feel like we would have had more of a match. This was two minutes and five seconds, and yeah. Kane submits. Yeah, I mean, and I think very clearly they're building towards a rubber match, I guess if you can call it that, between, you know, a real result and then a stage result. But I, I, I was disappointed. Obviously, I wanted to see more of what Kane would, was able to offer. I don't. I think you know it makes sense that they would just do this very quickly and then maybe rerun it uh, in a couple months and maybe even sooner. But I thought as a, as a, as a two minute, it wasn't all that satisfying. Yeah, it's it. Again, it was kept to two minutes. Uh, Brock wins without any controversy here. Afterwards. Um, Michael Cole did bring up how Kane came into this uh, with a knee injury and Brock was targeting that. And like Kane's knee is bad. He does need to take care of this knee. So I don't know if this is going to set him up that he goes and takes care of that knee and then comes back. But um, that was brought up here by Michael Cole and I think by design. And there was also the post-match attack where Lesnar attacks Velasquez and Mysterio afterwards because Ray got involved when Lesnar wouldn't let go. And then Ray comes back, and after Velasquez had taken chair shots and an F5 on top of the chair, Mysterio blasted Lesnar with repeated chair shots, sending him to the floor, and Paul Heyman holding Lesnar back. And that was how all of this ended, and seemed to be, at some point, having to get to a Brock-Ray match in all of this. Um, the question will be, where you go with Cain Velasquez? And I I think like this guy, it's an uphill battle for Cain Velasquez. I think it's going to be a really tough um, go at it for Cain Velasquez. And man, um, I, I kind of question going to this match so early when the guy wasn't ready. It's we know why, though. I mean, they needed a big headlining, I guess, you know, real type of match to promote for this big show. Um I think that's the main reason, but it's like, man, you're bringing in this guy who needs all the help he can get, and I I don't know if this really endears him to this new audience as a babyface. Well, I mean, we've seen him do a lot more than this, you know, in his AAA appearances, so it makes you wonder why they decided to hold back on that, you know, uh, for for this appearance, which I think was all the more important than any of those AAA appearances. Well, that's where I ask about the state of his knee, and like what, how how bad is the knee, and maybe if, and, and as well, like... For this, the style of match they're doing, it really doesn't lend itself to Lucha. No. Like the character they're presenting, it's kind of out of left field for him to be doing Hurricane Ranas. Yes, yes, yes. But it doesn't mean you can't use it. I mean, I've always thought it would be a secret weapon of theirs that they'd be able to pull out. This was not even a match where... I mean, they're clearly holding back from wanting to introduce it. So it's something you would expect that they would introduce at a later time. Um I, I, it's a great question about, about the injury. Whether I mean, you know, he was doing everything else perfectly fine, but... Um, maybe they, who knows? Well, it just, it's just like for a while, people have been talking about like the knee, you know, he's, he's talked about the idea of going to get the the stem cell treatments, but it seems like it's uh, a bad enough injury that he is probably going to need surgery. And maybe now is the time to do that. When do you think they would get to Brock versus Ray? That's not a WrestleMania match. So I would have to think maybe rumble. Not survivor series. Um, well, given they do the brand thing. 
Well, given so they aired an ad later in the show where it's going to be Raw, SmackDown, and NXT at Survivor Series, and with Brock as a champion, you would think that that puts him into the potential. I'm guessing three ways is what we're looking at. So we'd have Brock Lesnar, the Fiend, and Adam Cole. Potentially. As of now, that would be your match. That would be a really strange match. Well, we'll get um, into more of that later. Where yeah, we'll I mean, I don't. I would be surprised if Brock did the December pay per view. Um, hmm. Yeah, to me, it's then your options are the Rumble, unless you have some ability to get Brock on on TV to do a big number on Fox. But I I don't know how often that's going to be after the Kofi Kingston match. I think they could do Brock versus Ray at Survivor Series and just, you know, negate the whole, like they could do that theme, but by, by having a match or a few matches and, and, you know, exclude somebody like Brock Lesnar out of it. I mean, Ray is a raw guy, you know, so they can kind of promote it that way. I also just worry about the storyline losing steam. If you drag it out too long, you do run that potential. Um, He needs, he needs to get revenge for his son. Yeah. Well, they're going to have to put this all together pretty, pretty quick. Um, because we do have Survivor Series in, well, I guess we have, what, three weeks? Wow, that's not a Three weeks? Yeah. Seven, 14, just, yeah. Okay. Three weeks until Survivor Series okay. this weekend. So then we continue on here. Uh, we had promos from various guys in the tag turmoil match. Michael Cole promoted a Riyadh season. If we were looking at this show as uh, what kind of presentation was it going to be in terms of uh, comparing it to that first Greatest Royal Rumble? Um, outside of the, the mentions of Riyadh season, and I mean, it's not like we had the PSAs or a- anything no. like that in that sense, but um, clearly no more hesitation about uh, identifying Saudi Arabia and making that like the focal point of where they are and what they're doing. It seemed apparent even from, I would say, the last show. In, in April, but, certainly using themselves but, back into it, but certainly a lot more for this one where they had whole press conferences talking about the events leading up to this, mentioning all the time that this would be in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Um, it's still a far cry from, I think, airing a, a complete PSA talking about MBS and how much he's changing the, the yes. society. And I think they're still very wary of not doing that, um, but certainly a lot more than what we saw a year ago. So the tag turmoil match, this was just Tons of like short television matches back to back with the various teams. We started off with Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler against Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado, and it turned into a, a fun match. And they actually got uh, one of the longer uh, periods here. They went five forty seven, ending when uh, Ziggler. Okay, so Grand Metalik goes for a, a handspring off the ropes, but there's nobody set up yeah. for him to go for like he's just going to hit air so Ziggler hits him with a super kick it, it was just like he knew what the finish was but someone was out of position mm. so Ziggler super kicked him that went into a glorious DDT so Rude and Ziggler advance next out was Hawkins and Ryder uh, this one all of 47 seconds and featured this brutal uh, miss as uh, Ryder went for the blockbuster as Hawkins held Rude on his shoulders so Ryder came off the turnbuckle and totally missed him and Rude just came back, lifted up Ryder, zigzag, and they won the match. 47 seconds. Heavy Machinery is out next. Uh, Heavy Machinery won this one, eliminating Rude and Ziggler after hitting the compactor. Uh, at one point during this, Otis got the hot tag. This crowd was really into Otis. He took his shirt off, and Graves was unsure if that's legal in this country. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if that comment was legal on this broadcast, but yeah. Cool. Why not? That You're having was, fun with it. I guess. I guess Corey <laughs> Graves was just uh, deciding to throw it out there. Yeah. 
Heavy machinery against Kofi Kingston and Big E. New Day had this enormous display of fireworks coming out. Um, you could see like who were reserved for the big entrances. Um, this one went three minutes, 23 seconds with uh, New Day defeating them with the, the midnight hour here. Um, then the B team was out. This one went a minute 29, ending with a big ending onto Curtis Axel and Big E getting the pin. The Revival is out next. And at this point, you're just thinking, like, how many teams are in this thing? And I knew how many teams were in it, but it was just, like, the nonstop, like, when do we get to the end of this tunnel? I guess the question would be, how many teams needed to be in it? Great question. Great question. Uh, So The Revival and The New Day, which is going to be our match on Friday for the tag titles. Uh, Crazy here. We had the... The challengers beat the champions in the non-title scenario to set up the title match for Friday. So they got this one right, at least, with uh, Kingston stopping a vertical suplex with an inside cradle to win the match in 446. This was, like, very similar to the finish we got with SCU and Pentagon and Phoenix the night prior, only it was a package pile driver into the inside cradle by Scorpio Sky to... Pentagon. I've seen so much other stuff. I know. Before. It all like, blends together. I don't remember anything from last night. Inside already. Cradle was just <laughs> the connection I made. So then Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows are out, uh, reviving the classic Old Day versus New Day feud. You have a great memory, John. Wow. This one went 61 seconds, where the running boot of doom set up the magic killer as Anderson and Gallows beat the New Day. Yes. Yes. Um, Semi-surprising result. Semi-surprising, but I think they needed to get to where they needed to get to, right? Um, They had to set up the OC to beat the Viking Raiders. Yeah, which I did not see Anderson Gallows being such a focus here because the final team were the Viking Raiders, the Raw Tag Champions, and Eric got sent into the post. They went for the Magic Killer. Ivar interfered, and then Eric's knee gets clipped, and that sets up the Magic Killer finish. Three minutes, 50 seconds Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows are the greatest tag team on earth. And they beat the undefeated Viking Raiders, who are the tag champions. Mm -hmm. And all of that is fine. I would question if you wanted to make this the Viking Raiders' first loss, but that's fine. But what's strange is that Anderson and Gallows are very much tied to the Street Profits right now, who were not in this match. And it just seemed like this was, I, I guess, just pivoting... Anderson and Gallows to a different tag program and I don't know what that means for the Street Profits because hmm. that seemed to be at least a program that was just beginning. I would imagine the Street Profits would be their long-term program and, and maybe on Monday you would get this title match you know just for this reason um, I And the Viking Raiders retain? Because I would maybe. question beating maybe. them this first time just to set up a throwaway Raw match. Right yeah. And you can't do it at Survivor Series in theory if you're doing this whole Survivor Series brand versus brand gimmick so you probably have to do this on TV I, I, can't, I'm, I don't want to like you know assume anything John they might have this grand plan where everything makes sense I can only comment on what I saw on, on this particular event um, and I thought like I was surprised by some of the wrestling in this thing I thought Lucha House Party looked really good Ziggler and Rude looked really good the stuff with the New Day was really good Heavy Machinery were really over in Saudi Arabia but man, by the end of it, it was just like, it felt never ending. I and I thought it was too much time maybe devoted to something that didn't need the, to go this long. Yeah, I think you could have gone with half the teams here, given some more time to breathe and still got to your end result. But this this was a show about just getting bodies on yeah. there is what it felt like. Yeah. So they set this up. They 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 put some uh, momentum behind the New Day as they before they challenged the, the champions. What we're going to find out is, will the storylines of this show extend into regular 
Like, obviously, we had a title change on the show, so you have to acknowledge yeah, that. Yeah, but they, they ha- they've done that. Well, I mean, the last time we saw uh, Mansoor, I mean, he wins his battle royal. No, he is he's the exception. And he, and he loses on NXT in the summer, and that's his only he, appearance. He is the exception. He seems to vanish every time. He only reappears every time they go back to Saudi Arabia. But, um, like, I mean, Shane McMahon winning the, the trophy. That, that's that true. They went with that. That was a big story. Cesaro and the aforementioned Mansoor were next. Uh, Mansoor came out to a hero's welcome, mm-hmm. billed from Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. The man was born in Saudi Arabia. And Cole notes the whirlwind year that Mansoor has had that consisted of two televised matches, one of which we're going to highlight, and the other did not exist. The other one was on NXT? He literally just lost, like, yeah, pretty much a two-minute TV match on NXT in the summer. Total throwaway. Anyone could have been in that role, and they chose Monsoor. One issue with Monsoor now, yeah, I cannot, I cannot look at this guy without thinking of two things. Number one, up close, deceptively similar to Seth Rollins. Okay. They look very similar. Okay. And number two, I see it. I cannot not hear him doing Moro Ronaldo. Yes. When I see him now, that is all that's in my head. And Outside of this, that was, to me, his biggest moment of the entire year. It would be. Him on a watch-along doing a more spot-on more Ronaldo It was pretty crazy that he did that on the spot. Oh, yeah. Like, if this had been some taped special, like, okay, he planned this bit, and I'm sure he's done that to a lot of his friends on the road, but... Man, they just went to him, and he had like it's a, like it was like sixty seconds know, of him doing Moro, where you he, actually have to have some like thought out progression of got what like you're a, gonna say. He said something like, you know, he, oh, oh, such and such is gonna make him humble, just like Kendrick Lamar. Like he threw in like a rap reference in there. Oh as well. my gosh, it was really uh, good. It, it was certainly <laughs> uh, an impression that if you had not seen, it would be. You don't need to. someone else in the background that was like contributing to that too but he was the star of that club very impressive either way yes yes i'm gonna keep this this train rolling don't worry about it. <laughs> uh so cesaro and monsoor um had a great match this yes. thing was 12 minutes and 41 seconds and you know monsoor you can certainly see like there is you know a the guy has been wrestling for a lot longer than WWE will tell you he has been, but is still, you know, relatively inexperienced and was in there with a guy who just shined in Cesaro. And you had a crowd that just treated Mansoor like a superstar. They got into every near fall and you could see them just building to a, such a fever pitch that you knew if this guy wins, this place is going to go insane. And they gave them the finish they wanted he hit a top rope moonsault after tons of near falls. They but, booked this like a WrestleMania. Imagine the heat Cesaro would have had, though. John. Oh, they left it. They left it on the table. It's amazing when, like they, they, when, when we, when they have reasons to resort to logical booking instead of whatever they else they they do typically in a hometown. Yeah, it's uh, it's mind blowing. But twelve forty one. I thought this was the best match on the show. To be honest, uh, I think I agree. I agree with you. I wouldn't necessarily say maybe 
Uh, it, it depends. Like, in-ring, I agree with you. Yeah. I feel like, you, you know, we'll talk about another match later on that maybe would have been more memorable. But I agree with you. I thought this match was excellent. Incredible atmosphere. It was just a classic match where your hometown babyface got to got to find, uh, got to shine and against you know uh, an excellent heel in in Cesaro. I think Mansoor is is really good. He's very charismatic. I think he's good in ring too. You know, good enough to be an effective babyface with the charisma to really take him over the edge. I think they absolutely lucked out with him it being in this company uh, as you know for for this partnership with Saudi Arabia because I'm sure he's everything that. They want in in one of these hometown baby faces, um, and the, I'd like the, to... the facial reactions are, are pretty over the top though. You mean the camera? Oh, for him, for him. Yeah, yes. I mean, in wrestling, I give rest, uh, performers a lot of slack. Like, I mean, look at Kenny Omega, look at Hulk Hogan. You know, it's that type of thing. I'd like to see him start to get pushed outside of these Saudi shows as just a strong talent. Period. He should be doing more. Yeah, and I think that NXT is that route to go with him. So yeah. we'll see if this leads to him being more integrated just anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they handle that because right now he's still he's very much you know representative of Saudi Arabia. Um, I think you could do that in NXT, but um, I, I'm curious to know how they would treat it. You know, afterwards um, he was interviewed by Greg Hamilton and just said this was the most important match of his life. He spoke in Arabic and just, just the place they treated him. Would you say like this? The he felt like the, the biggest show? star on the show. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, between him and who else? Ro- Roman, maybe? Roman Reigns mm. got an enormous reaction. Uh, I think more so Mansoor, personally. Yeah. You know, so like, I, I, great promo. Like, the guy the guy sounds smooth. And just to see the cra- the reaction this crowd gave him, it felt like it felt like an example of the power of professional wrestling as a tool to, to motivate people and to inspire. This, to me, was like wrestling, you know, at its core best. But I just wish... That the people who paid for this show weren't human rights abusers, because I think that's the overlying cloud that is, you know, over top of all of this stuff. Like, it's difficult for me to watch any of this and not really consider it as attempts to serve a goal of propaganda to help help us forget about, you know, any any sort of crime. The match was great. Mansoor was great. The looks on the face of these of these people, like it made them really happy, and and I was really happy that they were given this type of story, but. It's important when we're watching the show and talking about the wrestling on the show to understand the we, larger context of these shows that we don't use it use great wrestling as an excuse to ignore to ignore anything else that's going on. No. I appreciate the wrestling. I appreciate the performance. This was great professional wrestling, but there's still a whole lot of other shit going on. Yeah, I think so too and I think that you know, we'll get into it with the women's match, but I think you can you can appreciate that these fans were having a tremendous time and yes. also separate the the government that is perpetrating these acts from these people that are not involved with that. And yep. th- this is not somehow uh, casting aspersions on the, the these fans that are at a wrestling show and uh, don't deserve any of that criticism. Of course not. And that's people mistake that. You know, uh, people what? have conflated a lot of that. And I think that no one is denying uh, the fact that there are people there that are just as horrified as about some of the actions of their government. But it's at the same time, the ones, not just simply the living it, l- looking at, yeah, of looking at it from one idea where you can't separate and look at the entire picture of what's going on here as well. And yes. I think you can do both. 
Yes, I agree. Uh, mm-hmm. But we're also here to talk about the art of professional wrestling, and there can be, be- beautiful art and propaganda. You just have to be aware of the intent when you're watching it. So after that, we had Byron interview Seth Rollins, who talked about the rivalry with The Fiend ending tonight, who The Fiend brings out the worst in him, but part of me also likes it. Jarring for me to go from Monsoor to Seth Rollins. They do have a similar look. Like, they did a close-up of Monsoor selling, and it was uncanny. Mm. Braun Strowman, Tyson Fury. Um, Would you say Tyson Fury was the most elaborate entrance of the evening? Sure, I guess so. (laughs) He came out in the traditional uh, Saudi Arabian dress, Mm -hmm. uh, the... I don't want to mispronounce it, and someone will call me on my mispronunciation, but nonetheless, the traditional garb that mm-hmm. you would associate, and got uh, a pretty pretty solid reaction coming out, and they did, um, you know, a beginner's class pro wrestling match. It yep. went eight minutes. Was that longer than you thought it would be? I would say about the the length. You know, I feel like there, there'd be enough kind of maybe theatrics and kind of stalling to, to drag it into... I expected this length for the Kane match, really. I'll say this. If you watch this, you really can appreciate what they got out of Floyd Mayweather in 2008, where they got, I don't know how long that match was off the top of my head, but it was long in comparison. And not like a match that, you know, it largely, it it delivered what you were expecting going in. Um, You know, Tyson Fury, you can tell he was really into this. The guy was obviously very keen on doing this and seemed to at least... Um, have the indebt like this. This was not a guy just coming here to get a paycheck and do the least amount of yeah. work possible. He wanted to be there. You could see, mm-hmm. but this was a guy. This was a guy who is a tremendous athlete doing his first ever professional wrestling match, and yep. you could see. You could see that. That's what this was. Um, Strowman circled around the ring and got hit by Tyson Fury's version of the drive by, and then Fury avoided the power slam in the ring. And hit a big boot and then got all clumsy trying to hook his leg for the pinfall. I thought Fury also did the Undertaker sit-up spot at one point. Yeah. And I would say by the time they got to six minutes, they had overstayed their welcome. And I think that this could have been a bit more compact because you really just saw the the exposure here. St- uh, Strowman circled the ring with the shoulder blocks. And I mean, Fury took bumps in this. It's not like the guy was protecting himself and worried about having a fight in a couple of months or any of the, you know, of getting hurt. Like he did stuff in this match. Um, Strowman climbed onto the apron from the floor and got knocked out with a right hand falling down to the floor and then stumbled his way to his feet, but not in time to beat the count out. So Tyson Fury wins um, by anybody that's watched a pro wrestling match by count out to Michael Cole. It was by TKO in eight minutes and one second. Uh, And then afterwards, they allowed Strowman to come back into the ring, get into Tyson Fury's face, and hit him with the power slam. And then Tyson Fury, he's like, it's like a turtle that had fallen on his back. And in his head, it was like, okay, I'm going to sell for 10, 9, 8. And when it hit zero, dude, he popped up and he was fine. It was really silly looking. Yeah, I mean... They kind of left the door open if they ever want to go back and do something with him in the future. They could, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm I sure he added some kind of outside interest to this. He was, I, I don't think he was even fine. He was, it was, it was, was he, what it was. Was he better than Lawrence Taylor? 
Was um, he better than like you know some of the other celebrities we've we've had in pro wrestling? I would say Tyson. I would say Tyson Fury was not quite the level of Lawrence Taylor. I, I barely remember. Lawrence that Taylor also had Bam Bam Bigelow. But I, I will say I don't think Tyson Fury embarrassed himself at all. You no, know, this was fine. You know, it got yeah. the guy's name on the marquee and on the poster for your first match, match. Yes. So you know, I think the only really point of contention for me is just. Perhaps the count-out finish, you know, realizing that it's probably a compromise for, for both of them. To say, Obviously, Tyson Fury's not going to lose. He's an undefeated And we don't want to beat our boxer. guy. Yeah. Don't really want to beat Braun either, so this was the best you could do. I, you know, that's fine. And then most funny, though, was, of course, him getting right up after the power I slam. Mean, I don't know how much they liked that. But then again, Braun just got up, kind of, uh, after the, the knockout. In another era, I think people would be outraged. Today, it's like, I, I don't Whatever, think people right? even think twice about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, do, do you think that this is any kind of um, significance for Braun, who has pretty much cooled off in the last year? Was this a sign of them seeing a lot of value in him that they attached him to this? Or was it strictly, this is our giant that we want to put with their giant, and that's why he got the spot? I would think that he, that, you know, they they might see more value in Braun here than maybe they did in, in Big Show for, for that Mayweather program. Like, like, you know, Braun, I think, feels like he, he, he exists in a place where... He's a giant who you can rely on at any time. He's a very good performer. Not necessarily Needs somebody baby, they need baby faces, but not necessarily someone you want to you, you would put the belt on for yeah. an extended run. There was a time I think that they had that with Braun that mm-hmm. they could have gone that direction. It feels like they missed a boat on that, but nonetheless, he was. He, I mean, he held this thing together really. Oh, the he, entire feud. He was. You know, he was. He was fine in all yeah. of this. AJ Styles, Umberto Carrillo for the United States title. Technically sound match. I think that it was just the crowd was totally checked out here. It was a slower pace. I mean, you're talking about Humberto Carrillo that they're giving these major opportunities to, but he's still not really identified with much of the audience yet. And this to me was like a dialed down version of the story you had already given us with Mansoor. Only we don't have the same attachment uh, attachment to Carrillo and he's not winning this either. So Mm -hmm. um, I just didn't think they were all that behind him here in this in this story. Uh, went 12 and a half minutes, I think, in, in front of another crowd. I think people would be really into this. Um, so AJ is working over his knee uh, significantly throughout this match. And then when Carrillo, after he tweaks his knee, um, Styles rolls into the calf crusher, but he makes it to the rope. So when he finally gets free after this calf crusher and knee being tweaked, he goes to the top for the Aztec press, lands on his feet, and then grabs the knee and then gets hit with the phenomenal forearm. I did not think this painted this man in the most uh, greatest of lights. Uh, 1235, AJ retains the title. So the uh, the young lion, Humberto Carrillo, continues his, his losing ways. Match didn't do much for me. And, you know, I was especially soured on it when Carrillo just lost again. I guess, like... I, th- I seriously thought they might have gone with Cedric in the Battle Royal because that was a feud that got completely dropped. And this is a enough of a throwaway show that we just did Humberto on Monday. Why do it again? But I guess if, Cedric if is not going, in the plans. If you're going in with the mindset that this is a throwaway show, then why even do do the match at all? You know, like because I, I thought they gave him a lot with by giving him that Battle Royal. So if you're not going to go all the way with him by get, having him beat AJ, why do it at all? Because now the Battle Royal obviously means nothing. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, uh, but I mean, it's, you know, they can start pushing him again tomorrow and it's, it's fine. 
I, I just think this might have come across a bit more. Uh, you would have been a bit more engaged if they had maybe teased something with AJ and Umberto on Monday, and that sets up the battle royal win. And we hadn't just seen this match three days ago um, in a similar way. Saxton interviewed, or I'm sorry, Beautiful Byron interviewed Hulk Hogan, oh, who has now given him a new nickname. Beautiful he's Byron. he's finally going to shut up Ric Flair, and he said, "I've been training my team in the desert, and when they're thirsty." I give them a glass of sand. What an asshole. This was a, this was a Hogan promo. Yeah. Or at least, yeah. Like a, an attempt at like a crazy Hogan promo. That was followed by Natalia and Lacey Evans. Um, each came out. Uh, they were wearing uh, full on like body suits with t-shirts on top of them. Yes. And I like, I mean, everybody's seen the footage of like Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss. You know, they had some, custom made like beautiful body bodysuit type of outfits i'm i'm guessing they didn't have enough time to to do the same for lacey evans and and natalia oh so something more elaborate something more elaborate because this was just like really just like a black bodysuit with the t-shirt on top that looked like it was printed at like a custom t-shirt store down the street yeah you know i, w- I wasn't quite sure why we needed the t-shirts on on top of the I'm guessing because it was just black underneath my assumption. Yeah. Anyway, so they shook hands at the beginning. This really was not like a babyface heel match. This was more, this is uh, this is our historically significant match. Yep. And that's how it was uh, positioned here with Cole and Graves on commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, Evans kicked Natalia away. She went for the sharpshooter. Evans attacked her knee. Crowd was chanting, this is awesome. Crowd took to both these women from the get-go when they came out. Like yep. the audience was really into this. And I think... The the audience took this as something significant. Mm -hmm. Um, Evans hit her twisting moonsault from the top, but Natalia kicked out. And then Natalia yanked her off the turnbuckle, discus clothesline, sharpshooter, pulled her to the center. And Natalia won in 721. And everyone was applauding them here. They hugged in the middle afterwards. They were cheered by the crowd. And I mean, it it was pretty... uh, Michael Cole was pushing this very hard that... If you push and you push, that's how you make change. I know, I know. And it's, uh, I mean, it was, you, you, you go into this, you knew what they were, how they were going to treat of this. Course. I'm, I'm happy for these two women. I think it's, it's great that they, they got wrestling, uh, women's wrestling onto these shows. Yeah. Um, I just think it's, again, it's, you, it's ju- you just have to look at all of. It's the same thing with, with the Montsource thing. You know, I think we can, we can enjoy this and, and, and still be conscious of the the thing that's going on around it. This is maybe very inspirational. It doesn't change anything else outside of, of this, really. Like, there's still real-world problems attached to it. But we can enjoy this. You know, this... I thought these two had a hell of a match. This, this to me, was really, like, the evidence of, you know, bringing up Lacey Evans earlier than she was ready for the main roster. And after, you know... Uh, let's be honest, a total fumble with Becky Lynch and putting her into that level of program and dialing it back and saying for the next three months, you are attached to Natalia. Mm-hmm. And this is the end result that they, those two, they have found a chemistry together. They yeah. work very well together and they can have perfectly serviceable matches together. And I, I think that Lacey Evans has greatly benefited from working with Natalia these months. hundred percent. So all the credit I would say to the both of them, but especially Natalia for, you know, I think look at this was the best Lacey Evans has ever looked to me um and the pressure was on like there was more pressure on these two to have a good match on the show than anybody else on the show man or woman you know they had they had to deliver in front of 
Well, I knew going Very in this skip- was going to be the best women's match on the show. <laughs> That's right, John. But, you know, they, they had to deliver, like, based off of everybody's expectations. If they shit the bed in this match, or if Lacey Evans fucked up a moon solo or something, that would, I mean, that would stick with people for a long, long time. So this, I couldn't imagine the pressure that these two had to go through. And I thought they delivered. So, you know, by the end of this match, they created a beautiful emotional moment. And we can appreciate all that while, again, making... <laughs> Making sure that we understand that this this is maybe a step forward, but it's a baby step on a giant mountain of things that still need to be addressed. Yes, I think if you leave if you leave this with this impression, like yes, there have been a lot of changes over the past eighteen months in regards to women in Saudi Arabia, but it can't be understated the fact that a lot of a number of women that were pushing for these changes uh, were jailed and have been tortured, allegedly, and uh, have gone through some harrowing uh, offenses that have been uh, brought up. Uh, Amnesty International spoke about, you know, the the idea of like sport washing. The, the sport washing that was going on in this Newsweek article today. Um, so, like, see that you, is you just you can't. I think you can appreciate what this was and be happy for these women, but also look at the entire 360 degree view of what is going on there and understanding the full scope of this. And we have to like, we have to at least make mention of of that conversation when talking about a show like this. But again, that, that stuff is all very relevant. It does not take away from the great performance these two had. And I want to, I want to give them credit. Absolutely. Yes. So. Yeah, um, good match, great crowd. I, I do also want to bring up the fact, because I did not catch this on the broadcast, but certainly afterwards, that as Natalia is walking to the ring, someone throws a water bottle at her. Right. And that's, it was, Rick, Rick Flair had, had the Rick Flair had a bottle trailer. thrown at him as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you can't get into the, 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 the headspace of why mm-hmm. someone threw it at one of the female performers, but it was, um, I, I think, something that you know people certainly noticed. Team Hogan versus Team Flair followed that. Roman Reigns, Ali, Rusev, Ricochet, and Shorty G against Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, Shinsuke Nakamura, and King Corbin. Uh, Flair and uh, Sonic and Tails came out uh, for their entrances. Jimmy Hart made the trip. I was trying to (laughs) think back. And, uh, okay, some of these... First of all, Bobby Lashley accompanied by Lana, um, who... To the ramp, and then she went back. That's right. She did not did come not down ringside. So, yeah. but Lana was dressed in like sort of like a you know like dress. De- definitely not your traditional dress. Lana attire. Yep. Well, wasn't wearing what she was wearing on Monday. No, for sure. Um, but that's right. That, that that's a long trip to do the walkout and then walk to the yeah, back. Her husband was there. And, yeah. yeah. Maybe she hung out with uh, Jimmy Hart and chatted with him on the airplane. Sure. It's like what well, what do you do with all this free time? So uh, she went to the back, and then. Uh, we have to discuss. Last week, it was uh, Shorty G. And, and more and more, this WH Fashion Podcast, I think, could really become a reality. But we yeah, have Ricochet, we, who is... We had Sands yesterday, which, you know, got, got a ton of discussion. Yes. And Ricochet. Now, do you feel this was Ricochet uh, performing on Halloween? Or do you feel this is the next step of the real-life superhero needs real-life superhero attire? Because I thought he looked... If this was Halloween... I give it a pass, but if this is his new permanent gear, I am not so crazy about it. I think know, at all. I mean, I think it, it's more so to do with with his just big show attire. You know, we've seen him dress up as Nightwing. That's what I was hoping this was. Is that yeah. this is like Ray at WrestleMania, or even even as I said, Halloween. But that's uh, how I took it, he was dressed as a character called All Might from some manga. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, well, then if it's based on a real character, then I would imagine it's not a permanent uh, shift because that was what I thought after they've been ramming home the real life superhero. It's well, well he's, he's got to dress like a superhero. Yeah, you know, it's going to end with him like in a cape doing like a hurricane gimmick, right? Oh, he's going to be. No, I hope not. He's going to be. Uh, who knows? I hope not. So anyway, uh, lengthy match here. Um, I'm just going to skip n- till yeah. near the end because yeah. it was well. just a lot of just get the heat on one guy, then tag, get the heat on them. It was just the heels in control for three quarters of this. Roman Reigns, who, as we mentioned before, he came out and this guy was just an enormous star mm-hmm. on this show. Mm-hmm. And when he got the hot tag, this place exploded and he just ran wild. He blocked an RKO attempt, hit a Superman punch, but the cover got broken up. Uh, we had... All these guys coming in. Kinshasa, a Claymore kick delivered to Ricochet. Then Rusev came in, and they had to pull him away from Lashley, and then both got sent to the floor. Reigns hit a dive onto everybody, and Cole yells, there's a reason Reigns was chosen as the captain of this team. I was like, yeah, you took Seth Rollins and booked him in another match. This guy wasn't even in the match to begin with. Reigns is in the ring with Orton. He ran into an RKO for a big near fall, kick out of the RKO. Orton then sets up for the punt that he has not been able to hit in years and gets, uh, he can't, he gets stopped by Chad Gable on the floor and Ali enters, does his handstand to block the RKO. Ali, Ricochet and Gable dive to the floor. Reigns spears Orton and wins it in 1951. Maybe a surprise there was Orton taking the fall in this, Hmm. but yeah, I thought Roman Reigns was great in this match. Roman was fantastic. Yeah, I, I mean, just I they, was, they, from, from that hot tag on, yep. this thing really gelled. Oh, he's he he's a total pro. I I think in 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 these big big situations, it was a good match. Great atmosphere, well built, uh, good spotlight on. I would say all their baby faces, and again, it proves that like they can book these great baby face moments when they really want to, right? It's it's crazy when you just you know. To have a baby face, and he's going to have a, an obstacle. He's going to overcome the obstacle, and he's going to look great doing it. Yeah. And by the end, the crowd's like, man, that guy's great. Like, this is just great traditional wrestling that I feel like we, we don't see as much as we should. But uh, but this was so predictable. No one, no surprises. Yeah, Main event, Seth Rollins and The Fiend. Bray Wyatt, Falls Count Anywhere match for the Universal title. And yes, the red lighting made its way. To Riyadh. I was really surprised. I mean, I guess oh. not that surprised because I, I heard like in house shows and also like they've dark been doing matches. it. Yep. So they they really just they're I don't like know why. On it. Like, is there anyone clamoring? For it was this? my it was my biggest complaint from the match. Like, I t- it's hard for me to focus. Like, they they worked just... like a fine match. Yeah. I, I think the the lighting did affect it. Yes. I I wasn't a big fan of it at all. Um, they fought on the floor. Rollins hit about eighty five stomps in this match. Is this officially the end of the stomp? I don't know. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's a fiend. So they eventually make their way into the crowd. Rollins takes a sister, Abigail, on top of a staging area. Wyatt then brings him up to the entrance at the front. And Rollins, at this point, had already hit him with two stomps in the match that had not kept him down. He hits a third stomp. Wyatt is not only, like, not down for a long period of time. Like, he pops right back up. Like, Road Warrior Hawk taking a pile driver and just standing right up. It was just complete no-selling of the stomp. Rollins continues with super kicks and proceeds to follow with one stomp, two stomps, three stomps, four stomps, five stomps, and then super kicks him off the stage, and we get uh, the friggin' Beyond the Mat scene with Mick Foley at the 99 Royal Rumble. 
explosions going everywhere. Yeah. They they apparently uh, saved some uh some more fireworks for the explosion. They have fire extinguishers out to try and save Bray and I'm going to try and do this with a straight face. Seth goes to check on Bray and as he's looking over these cases, another explosion goes off. Ow, my eye. <laughs> my eye. It was Terry Funk here. My eye. And Wyatt then emerges behind these boxes like the undead monster, which was a cool shot. Yeah. And he applies the mandible claw into the sister Abigail and pins Blind Rollins in 21-24 to win the universal title. And that is how we end the show with The Fiend winning the title. You know... Better than the last match, I think we can agree. This was way better than the last match, but they got to kill this light. This light was just such an unnecessary thing that handicapped. Like, I would tell you that I think these two had a good Falls Count Anywhere match, but I'm not really sure because I feel like it's not just the red. It's the fact that it's dark. You know, they, they dimmed the I was amazed too. they got the reactions they did from this crowd, given that you're going all over the place. Yeah. You've got this lighting. And it was dark. Like, it was really dark. Like, it... it, it like it's it was like watching in scramble vision, like in black and white, and then like kind of obstructed. So I I can't I don't even feel like I could accurately comment on the quality of the match. But certainly I think getting being able to brawl everywhere outside of a Hell in a Cell helped this type of storytelling. I think the big stunt was something that you needed to do um, to justify, I guess, a big finish. You know, you need to be theatrical for a character as the like like the Fiend, and I think this was a much better attempt than what they did for for Hell in a Cell with the, with the finish too. Which was nice. Yeah, yeah, you had to do a finish here, and I, I didn't see them beating The Fiend, so um, I, I was told they're going to address the title situation on SmackDown Friday night, and because now we have Lesnar and Bray Wyatt on SmackDown, right? and what, what do you see happening out of this? Well, one of them loses, or one of them gets shifted to... Raw. To Raw. Yeah, yeah. like, ultimately, someone's got to end up on Raw. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you do that instantly, if... Like, you're building up Survivor Series, so you, you kind of have to have a Raw representative. Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, I, I'm kind of curious to see what they do. I, I think it drives people to SmackDown, which yep. they desperately need. So mm-hmm. I think um, that's that's a positive out of this. Um, now, do, now, do you th- who do you think makes more sense to go to Raw? Well, I don't know who would... Okay, so, so we either move one of them to Raw, or we have one of them lose. And do you see either one of those guys losing right now? Brock or Bray? No, I don't. I don't really either. I don't see Brock doing a match, and I would, I, I would not be beating the Fiend, especially. And this, to me, this finish tells they they don't want to beat him right now. So it would disappoint me a lot if it was Brock, because that means Kofi Kingston is not going to get his hands on Brock Lesnar for a very long time. And there's no indication on this show, like he's now firmly tied into the tag team division, that he has his sights set at all on Brock Lesnar. Nor is there any sort of like, you know, losing like character change. Like, you know, I, I know at one time he was, like, crushing pancakes as he was talking about, like, uh, his, his bad run of late. No real indication of that either. They could pick it up, but, I mean, Brock would have to be on the show to ultimately lose to Kofi. But that's my fantasy at this point. I don't know if that's... That's losing steam by the week with Kofi. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you do need to kind of lead people. Like, I know everyone, like, fixated on that pancake thing. And it's yeah. like, yeah, that probably was an Easter egg. But it was... You, you do also have to give some kind of... Uh, attention to it as well and mm-hmm. anyway I, I don't know Kofi's uh, long term trajectory but so as of now you would in theory have a match with Brock Lesnar The Fiend and Adam Cole 
fighting in red lighting. <laughs> That'd be terrible. That sounds awful. I mean, I don't know if I, yeah, I, I, I would say terrible for Adam Cole in particular, and I can't see Brock Lesnar doing this type of. I guess you also match. have the the potential that if, because we we don't know what the match is going like, is Adam Cole defending the title at Takeover the night before that right. you could throw a wrinkle in. We're also assuming that all the champions are going to face each other, and that might not be the case. Because I like, would, what, what's the alternative? Like doing just a traditional, like I think you could just have a card where you know certain, like you mix and match rosters, and you have like, but not necessarily the champions. Yeah, I don't think you need to. It's just like they've established that, so I would think get they away would from it. I hate, it. I hated that stipulation. Like, why? Do, well, who wants to see? Well, I'll, I'll tell you. Like Lesnar, the Fiend, and Adam Cole. That sounds stupid. It doesn't sound all that appealing to like, me. It doesn't sound productive, most of all. And we know in in a match like that, poor Adam, Adam Cole's <laughs> taking the fall. He's done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's something they can't just book NXT on this Survivor Series show to be just the NXT fall takers. needs to be, like, on no. top at the end. Like, if this is done well, you can integrate NXT onto the main shows for this next month that attracts people to Wednesdays, hopefully. Yes. But the tricky part is that... NXT on Wednesdays, they're promoting their own takeover show. And are they going to have to be now promoting two shows on one? Like, that gets a little confusing if you have, say, you have uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Adam Cole building up a feud when Adam Cole is segue is segueing for another match the next night. Like, it gets very confusing to have to push multiple programs on NXT for two shows that weekend. So mm. I'm kind of interested to see how they balance all of this. But I think it adds a little bit of interest to SmackDown on Friday night just to see the direction they're going. And as we said, with three weeks, I think you kind of got to get your main event in place maybe as soon as Friday night. Thoughts on the show overall, Crown Jewel? I mean, in terms of the the, the four... We, we should also mention that, that it was like they had been doing shows pre um, this 10-year deal um, in Saudi Arabia. But of the... Since signing that 10-year deal, I would say of the wrestling, this was the one that had uh, the best wrestling on the show. I agree. Certainly the best crowd mm-hmm. that we have seen, uh, apart from uh, water bottles. And I, I, I would say that was um, the, the positive. I agree this. with you. I think wrestling-wise, this was the best show, top to bottom. I think featured two really great moments here with Mansoor in the women's match. Uh, and nothing horribly offensive, as I feel like previous incarnations have kind of presented. Was there anything on here that would make like your your worst of list for the end of the year? Like I did no. think Tyson Fury was like was by, by, by major league standards, it was like it was, it was really okay. not near that. It's level. also a celebrity thing, man. You're getting all the value of him, I guess. You know, whatever being a part of this. Nothing on this show was as bad as I think what we saw on Monday. Yeah, no, I think this is a better card than Hell. Uh, I, I, I. I I reserve that to say it was a better show overall than Hell in a Cell because I don't think any of uh, the matches on this show touched the the first two matches at Hell in a Cell that we did get that are forgotten about. I I totally forget about it. With Becky and Sasha and then Reigns and Brian against Rowan and Harper. Gotcha. Um, So anyway, that was Crown Jewel. Uh, we open up the phone lines right now. Thank you all for patiently waiting. We want to hear from you. And if you want to have your uh, uh, say on what you thought of Crown Jewel or anything else going on in, uh, in in the wrestling world today, you can search for Post Wrestling on Skype or call us right now, 1732-800-4423. 1732-800-4423. Long distance charges may apply. Yes, we will stay live as long as we are 
getting phone calls and we're open to chatting about uh, Crown Jewel, the ratings today, the quarterly report that the WWE put out, uh, whatever people want to discuss. Last night's NXT or um, AEW, yeah. Anything that stood out from you on NXT Wednesday. We should correct the the war games. They've announced that it's going to be Shayna Baszler and Rhea Ripley as the captains. So we did have nine bodies out there. So they've got to add somebody. Mm -hmm. And it looks like Bianca Belair and Io Shirai are going to be paired with Baszler, Duke and Shafir. So we will get two teams, which is I I prefer that. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. Uh, I love the build for all that. Like to me, it really this episode of NXT reminded me that. NXT has the best women's division right now. They've of, got of a, anything. They've got a great women's oh. division going. And if you're going to do a, a war games, now really feels like it's the time. Like it feels like everybody has an a, an identity. I'll say maybe you know, safer like Marina and Jessamine at the moment, but it, it they'll be fine. No, they they're like no, they they're like key parts of that yeah, division. Sure. Um but but the rest like, you know, the, the match with Team Kick and, and and the Kabuki Warriors like it changed my mind on the Kabuki Warriors. They got like, like over twenty minutes. God, like I like I I was not really a fan of this like heel turn thus far, but like they really made it work. And, and I thought all the wrestling on on the show was really good. Yeah, I mean you have, I mean we talk about baby faces, and they've got Io Shirai, Finn Balor, and the Kabuki Warriors, the oh three my, biggest baby faces dude, on that show. Oh, you kidding me? Like Finn Balor was amazing he was like, great that promo was like a different Finn Balor than we've ever seen in the WWE I'm, I'm just saying like in in that full sale crowd it it's very hard to be a heel at right. this point and yeah Io Shirai like she got the greatest intro that yes. and th- that thing was awesome and it was like of course people are gonna go nuts for this that was an awesome awesome entrance for Io Shirai that yeah. you couldn't have been stunned that that's the reaction she got in the end I think you know it's worth it if you make the person feel like a superstar, and they did that with Shirai. I, I think that's where you negotiate that. You want someone to come across as a star, yeah. and that's what Yoshirai did. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think ultimately fans take to her as a heel. Did you like NXT or AEW more last night? I liked AEW more, um, but NXT had a lot of good things on the show. Um, it, I thought that it was... Uh, I really enjoyed the Balor promo. Um, you know, he just feels like, man, this guy... Never cut a promo like that on the main roster, He's not sad. once. It was like a John Moxley moment, almost. Yeah. Like, the, this guy just... Um you know, he's a great talker. There, there's, I, I had, think, a I lot had, of great I, talkers I that we're no, not exposed to. I had no idea, honestly. I had no idea he had it within him. But, like, I... Like, that line about how, like... You know, I uh, two months ago, I faced a guy who put a mask on and, and all of a sudden he's the hottest guy in the industry. Well, I just took my mask off and now I'm the hottest guy in the industry. Like, amazing, amazing line. Uh, caller, sorry for making you wait. What were your thoughts on uh, everything going on today? Hello, guys. It's MJ. Hey, in MJ. my studio. Oh. Apartment. You, it's weird not hearing you with the sound of New York in the background. I guess uh, it's quite late here in New York. It's quite late in Toronto. So I'll try to hit some points real quick. Go for it. Um, wanted to get two things out and then talk about the earnings a little bit. But first, I'll never like criticize. Well, these Saudi shows are super weird to talk about. Yes. But it's really cool seeing the kids into the WWE superstars and hearing them chant NXT it's kind of surreal and you don't really think about the fact that these kids across the world are into the same stuff we are into. So I actually enjoy watching that and uh, put it like all the politics aside. Um, So I wanted to say that about the, just my thoughts on the Saudi show. The second thing 
they're going to have NXT guys perform TakeOver War Games, then be on Survivor Series, and there was an article out today that says that these guys can't get pay raises and they have the lowest morale in years in that locker room. That's crazy to me. It's going to be a busy weekend for them. Yeah, they got to work both shows. Um, I haven't read the article myself, John. Any any thoughts on maybe some those allegations or, or rumors? Yeah, I really I I, I can't like confirm that. Um, right. I mean, it I, was uh, it was. Yep. Go ahead, MJ. It was a Forbes article. It was written by a Forbes contributing editor. So he, I guess, talked to some people that said um, talent was told with the move up to or with the move to USA Network that there's no uh, imminent kind of pay increase or pay scale changes, that they're all still making the developmental roster salaries. Hmm. That would have to change, I would think, relatively soon, you know, wouldn't you think? But This seemed to indicate it's not changing, but that aside. Mm-hmm. Um, Thoughts earnings. on the uh, earnings, yeah. So I had called in after Helen Estelle, and I was really heated about the fact that given the debut on Fox and appearing on uh, national broadcast television, more viewers, uh, more available viewers than ever, they came out with that Helen Estelle show, and basically anyone that tried the network that night was going to be turned off. I mean, that was just a debacle on all fronts. Today they come out and they have pretty much like no positivity about the network's guidance. I think they, John can correct me if I'm wrong, but decreased or lowered their guidance for what they expect paid subscribers to be. And to me, this is the biggest fail that they've had in years. Um, It's a highlight of their complacency since signing these Fox and USA Network deals. They got all this money in the world. They got the biggest runway in the world to kind of grow the company, grow the fan base. What they've done here is piss off their hardcore fans. There was a cancel the network trend on Twitter, the night of the hell in a cell. They've done nothing to bring anybody into the fold. Ratings are back to what they were. And if I'm looking at this company, like for the next few years, I just don't see what they do to change this. Uh, I think it's management at this point. I think it's complacency. They're creatively bankrupt. They're morally bankrupt. They're definitely not financially bankrupt because they got these TV rights deals. But outside of that, I mean, there's nothing positive to take away from what they're doing, not with their licensing, not with their merchandise sales, not with their live events. And it is pretty bleak. And yes, the stock will rebound and they'll be fine because they have tons of cash coming in, record record revenue. But that's only for so long. And then what? And I think the then what part is what's really scary for investors, and I'll let you guys chew on it. Thanks, Thanks a lot, MJ. MJ. Yeah, we, you know, it was a quarterly report where, I mean, if if you're looking at the key core pillars of their business, I mean, it's like the television rights are so important to them at, at the moment. Um, for for the network, they were down. They had projected that they were going to have a drop of um of paid subs and they were below what they had projected and they're projecting an even lower drop in the fourth quarter, which is, you know, typically this is not the, you do experience a bit of a drop, but this is like, they're expecting a 10% decline in the fourth quarter among network subscriptions. And on the one hand, they're putting over how they've overhauled the network. It's now, um, you know, it's got a whole new engine on it and search capabilities. And yet, we're looking at the numbers and it's like, okay, you introduced this, you invested all of this technology into the network. 
And they had these big declines on the network. So I don't think one really adds up to the other. Um, So today's report, it covers July through the end of September. So it's not, uh, it doesn't reflect the new rights deals. So that's the cushion that's going to be able to hide a lot of the other things like live events painted like pretty, pretty bleak picture. They like their operating income of live events. Like there was a three and a half million dollar, like they were on the negative side. Like that, so live events, what they have done is they're running fewer events. So if you charging more per ticket, they're charging more per ticket because it was like a 6% raise in your ticket price, but they are actually making more per show. If you average it out, because what they're doing, they're eliminating house shows that are going to be your least profitable, taking those off. So it's going to skew the average up because you're looking at more concentration on pay-per-views on TV tapings mm-hmm. and eliminating like your house shows that are going to be drawing 2000 people. Right. Um, and it seems like, is this going to be a trend? Like they, they ran 16 fewer shows this quarter than a year ago. At what point do you feel like, do you think they will continue to cut back? And at what point do you think they, they completely abandon? I would say, you know, a majority of this schedule altogether for non-televised events i think i i can't imagine them completely shutting the door on house shows it just seems like they are so resistant to changing the way they do things but it would be interesting if you go talent by talent you'd probably get a mix of answers but i think you'd get a healthy amount probably the ones that are the more wealthy ones that would welcome the elimination of house shows even if that meant uh less money that Mm -hmm. you're you're taking home now other guys and women Probably younger ones love being on the road and should be working four times a week. That would be great. But it's very rare now that we're seeing four events a a week for either brand at this point. Like you're seeing uh, a big reduction in that unless it's your international tour. So I think they're going to kind of play this game of, you know, less house shows, but still having an and and looking at it as well that a place like a Oshawa Ontario you're never bringing raw or smackdown to Oshawa Ontario but we want to hit these smaller cities that we can still our our talent gets experience we can still sell merchandise um there there's those kind of values to it but overall you you certainly have to look at the live event business that for two quarters in a row they've talked about you know, we've got the answer for it. We're going to overhaul it, but you've seen no changes and it's still a pretty bleak picture. Before we get to our next call, were there any other major takeaways from, from the conference calls? Uh, just that, you know, I think uh, for for the overall quarter, they made $5.8 million, uh, which was uh, a lot less than last year's quarter, but kind of different circumstances. Revenue was was down a bit from last year as well. And it's it's all going to be cushioned by from this fourth quarter onward, because that's going to reflect the new deals with um, USA and and Fox. So it's going to offset a lot of this, but um, for the year, they've also like kind of decreased their projection on what their just adjusted OEBDA is going to be. I long words at late night. OEBDA, OEBDA, say it 10 times. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to do that, but it's, you know, the the stock took a big hit today. Like there, there are, there are positives you can find in this, in this report, but you look at, at the live events section, you look at the, at the WWE network. It's, um, you know, there, there is concern. The India deal is up at the end of the year. They still have not announced a new deal. George Barrios says that, Hey, we are, we're, we're going to, we're confident in making this deal, but man, you got 
Time's ticking away. You got two months before the end of the year. And one of the reasons that they had to lower their projections for what they're going to make this year is a pending deal in the Middle Eastern North Africa region, which, you know, is pretty much like what we're talking about here. Some kind of uh, distribution deal there that they thought would be completed is not. And that kind of um, had to they had to walk back their projections for the end of the year. So those are kind of the the bullet points, but yeah, overall, I think I think it was um, not a great uh, earnings report for the company. Go back to the phone lines right now, caller. You're on the air. What's up? Hey there, guys. It's Corey from Long Island. How's it going? Hi, Corey. Uh, so uh, two quick questions. Uh, first, uh, John, are you catching any any of the uh, kind of miscellaneous Japanese uh, promotion shows that are happening this weekend? BJW, Noah, DDT. Any of those catch your eye? Um, this weekend is going to be extremely tough with uh, with with everything mm-hmm. that's going on. Um, at some point, I'm going to probably watch the Noah show, but probably not this weekend. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, um, I, I've been eyeing up that, uh, particularly the, you know, the Noah card, just mm-hmm. because it's their big return to uh, to Sumo Hall in, like, God knows how long, and uh, not attached to something like a uh, a Kenta return. So I'm wondering how, uh, how that is going to pan out for them, especially um, kind of with their main event being two fairly younger talents in uh the form of uh kenta uh, uh it was uh kaito kiyomiya and keno yeah um no it, it, it's a big test for them it it sounds pretty ambitious for noah to be going to to sumo hall um they've also got uh michael elgin going over for this show as well with uh takeshi sugiura it's yeah i, I i'm not all that optimistic on, on how well they draw at sumo hall but we'll see what they're able to uh, attract. Uh, you've also got a Dragon Gate card that's coming up on Monday, so it, it's a pretty packed weekend uh, in Japan as well. But yeah, the Noah card. It's uh, yeah. Hopefully, I, I don't know. Do you know? Is it going to be available on their YouTube channel? Uh, the the Noah card. I'm not sure. Their 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 entire TV deal has been so nebulous. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure how this is going to be airing. I know the BJW show is airing live on Samurai, mm-hmm. but I, I I don't know the the like state of Noah's TV deal at all. Yeah, it's just that they they've been experimenting with that with like their big shows of putting them up like the entire shows on on YouTube. And uh, selfishly, it was very convenient for me. But we'll see if they do that. But yeah, um, anything else you're catching uh, this weekend, Corey? Uh, yeah, no, uh, definitely the BJW show. Obviously, the uh, the Walter Sekimoto tag has me fairly interested. Yeah. Also, um, the the main event death match between uh, Isami Kadaka and Yuko Miyamoto. Uh, me kind of being really into death matches. This is kind of like the biggest possible match you can do in that company. These two guys being former like tag team partners in like BJW's you know, biggest show of the year. Um, I'm expecting that to be a blow away match for sure. Cool, man. Well, uh, feel free to sh- uh, shoot over your thoughts on the shows or, or call in next week. We'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, any of the offerings that you get to see. Oh, definitely. And then uh, just uh, one quick second thing. Uh, so regarding um, Kenny Omega's Halloween costume on Wednesday, uh, I happen to be uh of that 10% of people that actually did recognize it. So um, I'm actually 
in a group of friends that uh, some of them actually helped develop that game, Undertale. Wow. Uh, and it was actually a fairly big hit. Uh, I would say one of the biggest, like, kind of independent games of its generation. Uh, like, so much so that uh, its merchandise is being sold in Hot Topic. Mm-hmm. Things kind of unprecedented for a game like that. And it was kind of mind-blowing for me to see this um, game that was done by such a small team uh, to be given such a large reach to the point that it's, you know, you know, uh, like graphics being done by the actual uh, designer of the game, Toby Fox. All those graphics, including um, Kenny Omega's Wrestle Kingdom uh, Wrestle Kingdom graphics from this year, that was all done by the actual developer of Undertale. So seeing all of that like on live TV, absolutely mind blowing to me and really shows kind of, um, kind of where games have come as a, uh, larger part of our, uh, pop culture. So yeah, no, that was just, uh, my two cents on Kenny Omega's, uh, wild Halloween costume and kind of my own personal part of it. But, uh, yeah, thanks for having my call guys. Have a great night. Thanks very much, Corey. Appreciate the call. Oh, yes. I'm well aware of uh, the phenomenon of Undertale at this point, John. Oh, were you uh, inundated? I've been inundated, especially on our YouTube. So thank you very much, YouTube. But we all we know all about Undertale at this point. And, and I, anyway, it, it sounds really interesting. It sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines right now. All right. Caller, you're on the air. Hey, guys. Paul from New Jersey. Hello, Hi, Paul. Paul. Hey, so... Uh, politics aside, I at least liked some of the booking, which is, you know, more than I could say in um, several weeks with SmackDown and Raw. Um, I like that Umberto Carrillo um, won the Battle Royal, and they're trying to make an effort with him. But, but then you know, he lost the match. Guys, yeah, yeah. I'm like, but even, that aside, like, when I look at, like, um, like a guy like Mansoor, too, like, uh, they did a thing. It was him, Shane Thorne, Tegan Knox, and they were just doing like a, a Kane Jeopardy to see the biggest Canaanite. Just like they're just doing like a funny show, and he was hilarious and like really per- good personality, really funny. Like seems like a really nice guy, but it's like when I look at like Kevin Owens, who was so hot at SummerSlam, and Bailey, who you know her heel work's been okay, was like you know the you know next great baby face in the women's division and what they've done to Seth Rollins is like I don't have a lot of faith in them being able to get like I, I don't know how a guy like Umberto Creole gets over in um in this system and and just I know people are more jaded and I'll I'll, I'll uh, hang up after this and just hear your uh, your answer um why is it so hard to book baby faces coherently it seems like is it they make it so hard and impossible it seems at times i i think you answered it there i don't think it's all that difficult to book baby faces i think that it's it's this trap you get into that it's sometimes the audience will direct you into one way and you want to be able to you know this is our story this is the way we're going and you get into this trap of well we got to surprise people and it can't be predictable and we've got to we've we've got this idea and if the audience latches onto someone that we don't have plans for well that's that's not in the plans and mm. you've got man i i don't know too many other promotions that struggle when it comes to baby faces beyond WWE and it's a lot of the time just simply 
going directions that it's it's frustrating and shows that you go off the air and you just you don't get that big payoff. You don't get that that big moment and allow your baby faces to overcome the opponent and just look great and give an audience exactly what they want. It's got to be on our timetable and it's got to be done this way and this way. And you just, you get to a point where it's, oh, everyone's so negative. And then the character's got to turn heel, of course, because that's that's the only place the we have left to go because we killed them as a baby face. Yeah. And I don't think it has to be half as difficult as at times it's made out to be. I feel like the 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 chase to always prolong to the next pay-per-view or to the next TV show or to to you know uh your next whatever event it really makes them not want to give you a climax to a story. And I think like we we're seeing right now in this like Jericho Cody program, you can have the babyface look good one week and then you can have the villain look good one in one week and in the end if you're more interested in the overall story that it, it, it you know that that helps everybody yeah. so we know like from watching a show like this wwe can't book great baby face moments but there certainly seems to be a, a real lack of it the, the 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 point that always gets raised is just when you look at wwe and you criticize the the the, the promos and you criticize you know just some of the presentation of the performers and yet Again, we just talked about Finn Balor. It's like, I think you have a ton of great talkers on that main roster. I also know you have a lot of great personalities and you get to see them when we when we watch a 24 or you watch a Chronicle with these guys. And it's like, wow, this is a relatability I'm not getting on that main roster. And I'm not saying you take what's on the network and just put that onto TV, but there's principles you can learn from in terms of that relatability. And Cody has tapped into that in a big way the young bucks have tapped into that in a big way where it's like these audience members, like they love these people. They want to see them succeed. It's like a bigger story in, and then it breaks off into the individual storylines, but they are rooting for these individuals first and wrestlers second. And that's something they have missed the mark on with, with some people with, with exceptions in WWE as well. Hansi, you're in the cafe. Thank you for joining us this late. Hansi, I'm sorry. This isn't during your lunch hour. <laughs> No, uh, first of all, guys, listen, um, I, I know I always come in and I kiss your ass all the time and hype you guys up, right? But when you guys do these shows for um, like the, the whole Crown Jewel, I like that you guys are responsible enough to go that it doesn't reflect on all Muslims because like, there's a lot of ignorance online. And, you know, and I, of course, I'm arguing with these assholes who, you know, they generalize all Muslims into supporting what goes on in Saudi Arabia when like we're like the, the the most critical of of Saudi Arabia and mm -hmm. so when you guys like break it down like that man like this is why I like that you guys kind of use your platform and you do it responsibly and it doesn't sound preachy or anything like that so I give you a prop for that um I didn't I didn't mind the show like uh I didn't mind the show like uh um like match why I thought it was like an entertaining card but like you know it, it just whatever these shows come on I'm kind of like not fully into it but I I thought this was like the better one out of all the ones that they have done um but the question I wanted to ask you guys and I can just hop off afterwards with the with the Kenny Omega's entrance yesterday um kind of hinting at a bushi 
and New Japan. Mm-hmm. Do you guys like anticipate that maybe there's like a, a deal being worked out? Like I, I know there was like talks about that, but do you guys see that there will be a working relationship because New Japan expanded to the U.S. and do you think that like they will be involved with Wrestle Kingdom in some way? Because if it doesn't invasion angle, like that would be the invasion angle that I'm looking forward to the most. And I'll take your uh, your comments and uh, your comments off the air. Thank, Thank you. Thanks as always, Thank Hansi, you, Hansi, for the call. We appreciate it. Um, so with with the video i guess everyone's kind of looking at that is like is this a signal of something deeper i know that dave Meltzer was uh reporting on it on his show the fact that you know ghetto wants to do something but there's a lot in there i just, just speaking from like you know removed from the situation i think it's just very difficult politically to imagine how these two could work together. I don't see AEW wanting to support New Japan shows uh, on the in the U.S. market. That that's where New Japan, I think, would ultimately want help from. Um, I, I just don't. In, in what fashion help? Like putting AEW talent onto New Japan shows in the U.S. in buildings that you could probably run on your own right now and and do well in. So I I don't know if that would make the most sense. I also don't see. How, you know, sending Kenny Omega over to New Japan, yes, you have the ultimate match with Kota Ibushi. I don't see that upsetting their Wrestle Kingdom plans. So I think it would have to be something further down the line. But the fact that video aired, you have to, like, we don't know the track record yet of AEW. Did they just get a kick out of that? Or is there a reason to it? I I would think that if they're putting it there, it shouldn't be dismissed out of hand. But I just see so many different um, obstacles to making that that relationship happen. And does what does AEW get out of it versus New Japan? Because I see New Japan benefiting more than AEW at the moment. What do you think? Um, I, I I'm not holding my breath that something's going to happen in time for January at the very least. Um, my personal thinking, and I said this on the show, is that this was just something you know, a cool little Easter egg that fans, longtime fans of Kenny Omega, might understand. Um, but you know, it also gets people talking, and I'm sure they're kind of feeling the the air to to sense you know what level of interest there is for something like that. I'm sure AEW would love to have. Listen, if AEW could promote the match, there's a great incentive for AEW, but I don't think that's what... A talent trade, you know? Kazuchiko Okada comes in for a couple shows, and Kenny Omega goes over there for a couple shows, too. Is that out of the question? I don't think so, but I don't see it happening Nothing's out of the question, but it always... You can always look at things, and they make a lot of logistical sense both ways, but when you throw ego and pride in the middle it muddies all of that and it becomes very difficult and when these talent situations occur it's usually because one desperately needs the other and both sides they don't desperately need each other so not yet it'd be great if they could they'd Mm -hmm. be stronger if they were working together it'd be a great relationship but i i don't know i'm not i'm not holding my breath on it but certainly the roh you know the dissolution of that relationship has has helped you know, maybe facilitate some of these new talks. Yep. So we, we shall see. Uh, I'm surprised this person is joining us at this very late uh, hour because what time is it over there, Neil? Right oh, jeez. Our man. Yeah, it's 4.26 a.m. Neil, wow. Neil, you, we, we, we are not that great. Did you wake up early or have you not gone to sleep yet? Oh, I haven't gone to sleep. Oh, boy. I keep waiting hours whenever I get the chance. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I'm working from home at the moment, so um, quite often – Left to my own devices, I'm absolutely a night oil. Night oil. That's how I get to watch Raw live and uh, oh. um, your thoughts, Smackdown. Well, um, 
quick thought first is Corey, who phoned earlier, mentioned uh, DDT among the um, smaller Japanese promotions that've got shows this weekend. Um, I don't know if you've seen on Twitter tonight. There's, there's been this NXT Orlando show where everyone's in fancy dress. Yeah, and, it's their uh, their Halloween battle royal that they did tonight, and some of them I, I saw a few of the costumes. They look pretty funny. They we, had Jessamyn Duke dress up as Matt Riddle. Uh, Rhea, oh, that's good. Rhea Ripley dressed up as Triple H. Triple H with Shane Thorne Thorn as China. China. <laughs> Looked yeah, that, amazing. that was the one yeah. I saw. I wish they do Shane they Thorne. I mean, I understand. Th- like that's the kind of show you should throw up on the network. Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? I would totally check that out, even if it was just the uh, just the one match. It's but something I would put on TV, but maybe they, you know, yeah. The network is the serious. perfect outlet for that. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I was thinking exactly the same thing myself. It's just seeing those little. Um, photos from people who were at the event you know on twitter out of context it just looks hilarious you know but uh, as i say Corey mentioned ddt and uh, andresa the giant panda that i thought was only associated with ddt seems to make an appearance at that, <laughs> that nxt show so i'd love to know what's going on there the giant know, the panda kind of... showed up at nxt yeah the, oh. you know the sort of 12 foot panda no, we were talking about talent sharing you know what i mean like that, <laughs> yeah. this is the sure. this is the first yeah. drop in the bucket Okay, but that, yeah, that panda's if, getting if dates. Hit, <laughs> if I could hit just a couple of other things, one is another recommendation for the main event, at least of the OTT show, which I was lucky enough to be at in Dublin last. Oh, Saturday. you attended it, right? Right, I you called there, in last yeah. week about this. Yeah, so uh, tell I, me about the experience live. Oh, it was fabulous live. The OTT shows really always are. I have to say, the crowds are pretty legendary, and um, I'm kind of a fairly reserved and laid back guy. <laughs> and, uh, so I'm quite glad I wasn't ringside because the, the, the folks who, who generally are, are, are a bit crazed, you know, they jump out of their seats and slap the, slap the canvas and all this sort of stuff. Um, it was a long show. Uh, there was a dark match and then there was about three hours of a show. So, I mean, if you are going to watch it, I would really um, pick out the, the main event. Okay. Uh, which is at roughly the last 35 to 40 minutes because um, that was the standout part and it translated rather well to VOD. I watched it when it uh, got released on, I think it was Tuesday night. Um, and uh, it came across pretty well because I know that, you know, some of these things you have to be there um, mm. but it was shot It was shot well and it, it came across on the on the video very well. Apart from, I will say, apart from the commentary, which was pretty poor. And your last thought, Neil? Yes. Well, they, they missed a trick, didn't they, with uh, Mansoor? I mean, think of the heat they could have got about defeating him in, in uh, Riyadh. But actually, on a, on a more serious uh, note, I have a question for once, and then I'll get off the air, which is how on earth are they going to book The Fiend from now on? To me, it seems unbookable. If I mean, Halloween has just passed, and... He's like Michael Myers. I mean, this unkillable, unputdownable character, you know, million stomps, sledgehammers, you know, all the rest of it, do nothing. So I just don't get how you book a a, a talent like or a character like that from uh, going forward. But thanks for your time as always, guys. Thank you uh, very much, Neil. I mean, looking at things way, um, I mean, where do you see him going First of all, do you see him being a better fit on with the SmackDown roster versus Raw and the people that you have lined up? Like a Fiend program on SmackDown with Roman Reigns is – I would really be delicate in who what babyface you pair with him because I think Seth Rollins should be a warning sign of what 
yeah. uh, what the worst case scenario is. And I'm, I, I really hope that those two are separated now. Uh, completely. Yeah. I mean, I think Seth's going to have to get his revenge though. Cause you can't just, you know, ab- abandon, uh, like what does that do to Seth Rollins? But I don't know where he fits better on Raw or SmackDown because I think in many ways he it's hard. It's just as hard no matter what show you're on. Obviously, I think, you know, cable TV, you would think maybe lent itself a little bit more to that. That's this type of like, I don't know, netherworld type of thing. But I don't know. I think they have their work cut out for them either way. We go back to the phone lines, and this one's a special one because I actually made a call to this person because I saw that he was lurking around the cafe Brother Nate Milton. Oh, wow. Are you around? What is going on, brothers? Nate, I mean, I I blink, and you've launched another podcast. I mean, it just, they're, they're endless. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to catch up to you, man. As, as you are the, the carrot, and I am the horse. I think that's how the analogy works. Oh, well, believe me, uh, with all these shows, I'm saying nay, and I'm willing to hand some over to you, Nate. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, awesome. Hey, before we get into anything, I just want to thank you, brothers. I appreciate your excellent costumes that you're wearing tonight. Thank you. That's uh... because forget Ricochet. <laughs> you, you two are the real superheroes for watching this show. For those of us who either couldn't watch it or chose not to watch it. And, and you know, not all heroes wear capes. And I'm looking at two Avengers right now. Oh, man. Just the, the poet, Nate Milton. Hmm. I love it. Grace with his presence on the cafe hangout. Um, hey, what is Nate's new podcast? Do you want to uh, tell everybody a bit about this show? I, I was not aware of it till you made the big announcement, but uh, uh, the floor is yours, Nate. Okay, sure. Uh, I have a new podcast that is dropping this Sunday. Oh, Sunday. Uh, yep. This Sunday, uh, November the 3rd, and it features... Myself, uh, Chris from L.A., Chris Ely, who is actually the true host of the show, and our first guest is going to be no stranger to the post audience, the postmarks. It's going to be Andrew Thompson. The man, uh, Andrew Thompson. And the, the name of the show is NWA Podcast, and the NWA stands for Nubian Wrestling Advocates. And so basically, it's looking at this crazy you didn't, you didn't want to go to You didn't want to go to with NWA Power? I thought we could go that way, but, you know, I didn't want to scare people off. <laughs> I want to be, in, you know, hospitable and invitable, at least for the first few episodes away. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be you know, basically, you know, we're talking about all the news and, and opinions out there in wrestling. But from the perspective of black wrestling fans, and it's something mm-hmm. that I, I think is a conversation, especially this past week with all the uh, Jordan Miles stuff. It's a conversation that I think people are ready to have. And Chris actually came to me with the idea back in January. And I was like, okay, I can maybe produce it for you, but I've got too many damn shows. And I kept dragging my feet and maybe we'll do it at SummerSlam, kept dragging my feet. Maybe we'll do it now that Kofi dropped the belt, kept dragging my feet. But for whatever reason, this past week with all the uh, ACH stuff, we were like, yeah, this, this has to be the time because it's a conversation that we think can be interesting and, and fun and, and maybe enlightening uh, for some of the fans out there. So, yeah, uh, NWA, Nubian Wrestling Advocates. Uh, the first show, we're going to put it out free on the Kings of Sport Patreon. The first show is free. Uh, but any show after that, you're going to have to sign up for the Patreon for because, John, as you know, 
The game is to be sold and not told, my brother. Oh, my goodness. This we, guy bringing the fire here at 1235 a.m. You know, you're, I'm, I'm glad you guys are doing this show. I think it's um, – you mentioned about people being ready to have this conversation. And how did you feel by the end of everything that's happened this week? Because I – I don't know if everyone necessarily wants to have this conversation because I feel that with with Jordan Miles, it was I think there were a lot of points raised that go beyond just the T-shirt design that go to a much uh, deeper uh, core that you can speak of. And it seems that, you know, the comments towards Jay Lethal did not really paint Miles in a very positive light. And I think that kind of dismissed all of his points whether they be uh, legitimate ones or or not. And it seems that here we are several days removed from that. And and I don't see a whole lot of people talking about this several days out from what was a huge story this past week, I thought. Yeah, and I think, John, this kind of reminds me in a roundabout, weird sort of way of the Colin Kaepernick situation with the NFL because you don't get to pick the messenger. Yeah, it seems, and there, I, it seemed to be a lot of, shooting the messenger this week. And I, I'm, I'm not defending all of the things that Jordan Miles said, but I oh, think... I, I don't th- think you can. I, yeah, I think, exactly. But uh, I, I think that you can't, dis- you can't dismiss everything either. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you don't get to pick the messenger, but that doesn't mean you get to disregard the message. And so that's one of the things we're going to talk about this week. And I think it's a conversation that that it's time, you know, not just speaking about this particular instance with the T-shirt thing, but, you know, you and I and and way we've talked about this before, you know, particularly when Kofi was making his run up to WrestleMania. Like there's things in the culture of wrestling that while we all love it and we're all fans and we'll probably all be fans until they put us in the ground. There are things that they can do better at. And and one of the things I think they can do better at is the representation of black people and, and other minorities. And so that's one of the things that we're gonna try to wrestle with uh on this program. Is it um as you kind of look at, at the at the current state of things, um speaking from yourself personally, do you feel underrepresented, misrepresented, a bit of both? And has it improved in in recent years? Mm, to quote Wei Ting's man, Peter Quill, at the end of the first Guardians of the Galaxy, a bit of both. <laughs> because, I, I don't remember the line, but okay. Oh, oh, oh uh, I think Gamora's like, you know, they got the, the ship back. And Gamora's like, so what do we do, Captain? Something bad? Something good? He's uh, like, yeah, a bit of both. Lovely. And then we get Baby Groot and, and, and Dave Bautista, which is beautiful. Uh, but I think... Representation is better now uh, for most groups, but I also think one of the issues that I have with the WWE specifically, and and it ties back into the Jordan Miles t-shirt controversy, is the decision makers and the people with the most power tend to be the people that are the most insulated from interacting with other groups. And so you're crafting stories and, and, and building characters based off of cultures that you might not you might only have a stereotypical surface level view of. And so, yeah, like I, I think things are better. You know, they're obviously not as bad as they were back in the 70s or the 80s. Uh, but we can't forget, like this is a company that in the recent past had a dude on TV 
stand in front of a camera and say, I was born to shuck and jive. And so like there, there's some, some blame to go around. And, you know, it's, it's one of the things that, like, like I, I love having conversations like these because it's not, and that's, that's the other thing, John, I, I want the listeners to know that like, this isn't going to be a, you know, quote unquote bash session against, you know, the white people in the industry, because I think, the best way to create change is to have a conversation and you can't have a conversation if you're just pointing fingers on either side. And so, yeah, eventually uh, we'll, we'll be bringing in uh, various people in a John way. You, you both have an open invitation to the show because I don't think you can have this conversation within a community and see any change. It has to be all wrestling fans, all people that are kind of involved with the industry, just kind of being open and honest and respectful and, and, you know, get into it. No, oh, I, I was uh, I was really excited when you made this announcement. I think this is a show that um, I think a lot of people will seek out. Uh, I, I definitely will. I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, you and Chris, and of course uh, Andrew as well. Will be a fantastic guest this weekend. So that's uh, Sunday. It's dropping at uh, the Kings of Sport on Patreon. Uh, this will be a free show Sunday. Yep, the first one will be free. After that, you know, it's it's like it's like the drug game, baby. First taste is free, but when you come back. For that second hit, you you got to come out the pockets. But <laughs> real, real quick before I go, guys, how crazy is it that in 2019, Wednesday night has become one of my favorite times of the week? It's pretty crazy. How how far was the show from uh, where you are last night in uh, Charleston? Is Charleston still pretty far? It's a few hours away. Like okay. I could, I could, I think. I honestly thought about going to that first show in DC. Like right, I yeah, was yeah. looking up train uh train tickets on Amtrak and all that good stuff. But then I was like, I don't know if I want to go to DC and then have to come back the next day to work and DC. Like anybody that's dealt with DC traffic knows it's a headache. So but if they like if they do a show in Norfolk or Hampton, I will be there with bells on in the front row with my Sunny Kiss t shirt on, which hopefully isn't a pair of big lips. Oh, oh man. Wow. Uh, full circle, gentlemen, full circle. Wow, you, 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 you tied it all together. No, it's been, uh, you know, it's, there, there's like so much right now, but there is a lot of like great quality at, at the moment. And Wednesday night you're getting, you know, two, two, I, I think like strong offerings that are oh, still, yeah. still finding themselves. Mm-hmm. I, I, like you guys know, like I love the world series way mm-hmm. and game seven, like baseball is my thing. Like in game seven of the world series, I was there. But at every commercial break, I was either on USA or on TNT because that's how important NXT as well as AEW have become to my wrestling viewing habits. So, like, yeah, I know the numbers dip down and you guys talked about it, but I don't think that's a sign that people aren't interested in these shows. We actually haven't talked about it yet. Yeah, we'll, ratings, so. we'll get into so uh, the numbers. After well, this. let's segue to, to uh, uh, the discussion. Let's have Nate, like, stay on because I'd love to get your – well. Any further thoughts you might have? Well, uh, for Wednesday night, we had AEW with uh, 759,000 viewers. Uh, They were down 21%. NXT was down 17% with 580,000. But it was really interesting to look at the demographics because uh, AEW had some enormous losses, particularly among people 12 to 34. Uh, With Mm. females, they lost 65% from last week, 44% among males. Uh, They also lost uh, 32% among females 18 to 49. So they saw a lot uh, more kind of um, erratic um, drops. What was interesting was of the demos, 
people over 50 that AEW, like that's been the demo they lose to with NXT every week. They did lose this week, but they stayed even from last week. And if you were to say um, what audience of AEW would be most likely to be watching baseball, I would think the over 50 audience and they stayed consistent from last week's number. Now, NXT, on the other hand, um, they did see some uh, dramatic decreases. They were down 31.5% among females, 18 to 49, but they also had some gains. They were up among people, 18 to 34. They were up in males, 12 to 34, by 27%. So... Uh, when you break it down, like the demos painted a better picture for NXT, but they're also dealing with a smaller number. But um, hmm. yeah, ne- uh, I, again, this was against a game that did over 23 million viewers. This was not a typical week and one that I, I think you can put some stock into like AEW really got hit here. But I think that you have to look at next week as a better barometer when we're going to get a better gauge with the baseball out of the way and where AEW is going to settle in. I would say if AEW stays around this mark and doesn't see that increase, that that would be concerning. But nonetheless, they were still like six of the night for for cable programs among the the key demographic. And there were both replays following uh, the initial airings. Um, were there for AEW and NXT? Yeah, NXT had a replay too. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, they both had replays. But uh, yeah, uh, any other thoughts, Nate? You might have. I mean, when you look at those numbers, John, yeah, yeah it, it's a little concerning. But I would say from the macro sense, if I'm AEW, I'm still feeling pretty good because I remember when you and I and, and when you and Way and when other people were talking about where the number would be, you know, some people were saying, you know, 900 to a million. Some people were saying, you know, 500,000. And they're right in the middle. They're right in the middle right now. And so from a total audience standpoint, I still think they're on pretty good footing. Uh, but in terms of the micro, like the women, the, the number of women that, that dropped off, that's interesting to me. And I, I don't know if all those women went to watch baseball or if they're not being serviced. And again, this ties back into what we're trying to do with the NWA podcast. If your audience isn't being serviced, eventually they'll tune out. And I, I wonder if the AEW women's division and no disrespect to any of the women that they have, it really hadn't been lighting the world on fire. It's been, you know, as a secondary or tertiary thing after the tag division. Uh, and as certainly after Cody and, and Jericho. So I don't know if, if they just aren't seeing what they want to see. And if that's a problem, that's something I think AEW will have to address. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's, it's worth noting as well that not only were the big drop, the 65% drop for AEW, that was females 12 to 34. They also, uh, more women in that demo watched NXT on on Wednesday night, so it and, wasn't and just being NXT down. It was NXT gave them boatloads of 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 action featuring the women. Yeah. So, so so in that it's interesting to look at that specific demo last week. AEW beat NXT point two zero to a point one two. This week NXT a point one zero to a point zero seven for AEW. So. Yeah, that was just a, a dramatic swing. Like NXT dropped too, but nowhere near the level uh, AEW did there. So again, we'll we'll compare next week and see. Like, um, but those were those were interesting to to still see, even going against uh, the World Series and and what else was going up on Wednesday night. Were were you satisfied with uh, the Game Seven outcome, Nate? 
the Montreal Expos finally win a World <laughs> Series. <laughs> yes, yes. Shout out to Vlad Guerrero and them boys. But I, I was, I was torn because obviously living in this area, I was happy that the Nats won. But by the same token, I'm a big fan of Jose Altuve, uh, and so I was sad to see him lose. But at, at the same time, when you win a championship. You know, this isn't like Kofi Kingston where they can just strip it away and never talk about it again. For the rest of the time, Jose Altuve is a world champion. So him losing didn't really hurt me that much. Well, uh, as, lo- as long as, uh, you know, in baseball, you got to lose at least four games. You can't lose in eight seconds. I think they did. ESPN did catch Altuve smashing a pancake in the locker room. So I don't know what that's hinting at. Oh, he's he's turning down the road. <laughs> Clearly. Well, Nate, uh, thank you so much for staying up late with us. Always great to hear from you. And uh, we'll definitely uh, plug the the new show on the site. So congratulations on that. And I look forward to listening to the debut episode. Uh, thanks to both you guys. I appreciate the time and I appreciate you guys shouting out the show, NWA on the uh, Kings of Sport Patreon. And, and thank you on behalf of all the postmarks. Thank you for giving us this treat of a king-sized edition of the cafe tonight, gentlemen. Beautiful. You can, we, we can't top the words of one Nate Milton. So thank you very much, uh, Mr. Milton, for joining us. All right. Are we going to keep going? I think that's going to be it for calls, I would assume, unless yes. uh, anybody else really wanted to get, get a word in. But I feel like we've covered pretty much everything. Yeah, we got into the, the ratings, all of that. So Wayne and I are going to be back tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. And then after that. Let, let, let me see in my head. So Friday night with you, yep. SmackDown. Saturday night is the UFC show. Sunday night, you and I are doing Power Struggle. Yep. And then Thunderstruck Raw. is out as well. Thunderstruck will be out. I was just looking at my own. Oh, yeah. I'm just thinking like the next day that I'm not doing a show and I, I'm realizing there isn't one. So we could just keep going. But hey. It's going to be uh, that's yeah, a, this, a stretch. Yeah. It's it's what they signed up for. John needs a day off, I think. Uh, you know what? Big, I, like I a mandatory No, tomorrow is day. like I'm I'm taking tomorrow off during the day, actually. Alrighty. So I'm going to. I'm kind of annoyed. Because I had planned this around going to see a movie that is not out tomorrow. What movie was that? So I was going to see the Martin Scorsese movie. Oh, Everyone said out. it kept promoting it's out November 1st. Mm. Not here. By the way, Star Wars is not out at the end of November. I was corrected there too. It's mid-December, I believe. You know what, guys? We, we love our community out there. If you, if you want to tweet us, especially like <laughs> in the middle of the next day, assume that we've heard it five times already. Sure. Yeah. And you know what? If Way Way's going to find out when Star Wars comes out. It's it's going to be okay. He w- he will realize when it's going to come out. Anyway. Yeah. It's it's fine. It's fine. I should just not say anything, really. Yeah. Let's just we'll re- let's just come on and read the results you know and do feedback. We could be in and out in 20 minutes every mm-hmm. night. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Thank you, everybody, for staying out. It was still plenty of people in the cafe um, chatting amongst themselves. It's always fun in the chat rooms. So if you're a patron, postwrestling.com slash uh, – what am I saying? Pa- pa- Patreon.com slash postwrestling. Uh, $6 a month gets you a bunch of bonus shows as well as access – For this week. For this week. Wow. As well as access weekly at 3 p.m. on Thursdays to the cafe hangout where you can join other patrons and call in with your thoughts on anything going on in, in the wrestling world. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this. And John, I certainly enjoyed this. I thought you were teeing something up, so I didn't no, know. No, not really. I, I, I had a great know, time. No, didn't know where I was going. I got, I got my second wind, so I was all set to go for this show. This orange Pico really came in handy. Very smart choice on your behalf. All right. 
That's it, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate all of our callers, listeners, tweeters. You're all the best. We'll speak with you Friday night. Rewind to SmackDown live from Buffalo, New York. Oh, look at it. 